Support for this podcast comes from Invent Together. I bet you didn't know that inventing activity by black inventors peaked in 1899, and it has never recovered. Black and Hispanic college graduates patent at half the rate of white college graduates. That's just one of the reasons why you need to know about Invent Together. When our patent system gets more diverse, our nation will get stronger and more successful. Find out how you can help diverse inventors and unleash economic opportunity at inventtogether.org. Hi, and welcome to The Pollsters. I'm Margie O'Mara, Democratic pollster with GBA Strategies. And I'm Kristen Zoltis-Anderson, Republican pollster with Echelon Insights. And each week we bring you the polls driving the latest news in politics, tech, and pop culture. So welcome if we have some new listeners from the Slate Panoply world. For folks who didn't listen last week or the week before, we have joined the Famoply and I got to introduce myself to some folks at the Slate holiday party in D.C. Where you said the theme was sequins and plaid. Did yes. Did you go with either of no, those choices? No, I know. I felt, well, I felt like, well, I felt a little like, okay, I'm I not going to know that many people there. Maybe I should not go in my like, hi, I'm wearing my wacky holiday outfit. Like maybe that would be, I would look like too something. I don't know. And and then also, I don't I don't think I have owned plaid since the grunge days of my college freshman year. I think that was kind of the last time I had a plaid I shirt. I remember having a plaid flannel shirt that I got at the Gap with my birthday money and yeah. thinking it was the coolest thing yeah. I owned. Yeah, that was pretty... It actually probably was the coolest thing I owned. <laughs> <laughs> it will not be... The, it would not be that right now. <laughs> I think it's fair to say. But it was... But people seem to not have a problem. There were lots of ways to, you could express yourself. But I had another event afterwards and... You know, anyway, it just didn't, I didn't really have something that was quite appropriate for like a party with a bunch of, you know, folks I had never met before in the cold. So I left my sequins in plaid at home, but I introduced myself to folks and I, and people say, I, who are you? You do not work here. <laughs> what are you doing? Are you a party crasher? I was a no, party I'm not crasher. a crasher. I'm, to I'm like, I have a podcast and <laughs> joining the, the family. <laughs> <laughs> and people are like, oh yes, the pollsters, I proved your thing. Oh, I've heard about it. So anyway, so. Um, hello, welcome <laughs> the like handful of people who promised that they would listen to the show. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, that's not the only Christmas party you went to in the last week, holiday party. Uh, so I had one at my house on Friday and Margie brought me a present. I did. And it's delightful. But I'm not going to say on the show what it is. If you want to find out, you need to go to my Instagram feed. I am trying to push people to Instagram because it's a land of happiness and Twitter is a land of sadness. Yes. My handle is the same at K Soltis Anderson, but oh my goodness, Instagram is so much more fun than Twitter. So if you want to know what Margie got me for Christmas. Yes. It's pretty great. At some fine <laughs> exports from the land of Tacoma Park <laughs> that I smuggled on the plane over here. <laughs> Not what you're thinking, people. Not what you're thinking. <laughs> Um, so anyway, it's been a big news week, polling week, a week for holiday themed polls. There's lots of those. And big news. Week of the South. That's right. Week of Alabama. We already played Sweet Home Alabama, I think, a few weeks ago. So this week we're going to Song of the South by the band Alabama. Because that's the really big news this week. The Alabama Senate race um, was Jones up by 10, was Moore up by 9. It turned out the truth was somewhere in the middle. We'll talk about 
what occurred in polling land regarding Alabama. Uh, Margie has a lady pole out. True. A lady That's pole. That's a technical that is. <laughs> description for it. And we also have polling on Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, Happy Holidays. What do people say around this time of year? We will discuss. But first, the poll of the week. Is Bob Mueller on Santa's naughty or nice list? And we got this courtesy of one of our... Our wit icons, Ariel Edwards Levy. Uh, yes, Economist Huffington, uh, Economist YouGov poll. Uh, this is how do you think Santa Claus will rate Bob M- Robert Mueller on his list this year? And this is question sixty three. It looks like in this survey. So I wonder what questions came before it about Robert Mueller. Or maybe they asked about like eighty other people who yes. they were on Santa's <laughs> naughty or nice list. Um, that's that is more likely. Uh, I I like this better than fave unfave. It's it's so seasonal. And on this question, thirty six percent put Bob Mueller on the nice list. Sixty four percent say Robert Mueller has been naughty. I mean, even Democrats are divided. Maybe the something about the scale is confusing. Well, maybe right? they're. May- because maybe you're like not here you're to, like I'm not here to, I'm not here to be nice I'm here to you know kick butt and take or names or is it that I I really wonder what a true Bob Mueller name idea is mm. and fa- failing that well okay there are two things so would you just default to naughty if you're like I don't know who this person is they go on the naughty uh, is list he, is he one of those sex harasser guys <laughs> I mean no seriously those are the other 60 questions you asked those, is he one of those sex, sex harasser guys but the other thing is this the universe for this question is asked of those who celebrate Christmas oh uh, yeah I didn't so have my glasses may, on I that couldn't may even be see a that more Christian more Republican sample that does not to me explain all of the naughty list Bob Mueller response, but some of it. So yeah, I, that's that. a fair. That's fair. So among Democrats, fifty-five percent say a Mueller is on the nice list. Forty-five percent on the naughty list. Republicans, twenty-two percent on the nice list. Seventy-eight on the naughty. Wow, strange, huh? Bob Mueller's getting a sack of coal and a plea deal from Mike Flynn for Christmas. I, mean, I feel like he'll take it. <laughs> I feel like he'll take it. <laughs> I mean, 17% of Trump voters feel that he's on the nice list. Yeah, there's some there's some confusion here. We don't know what it is, but it, we find it entertaining nonetheless. That is our poll of the week. But let's just talk instead. Let's turn to the big mega story, which was the Alabama election. Going into it, the final day, there were all these polls uh, conflicting polls. People were going bananas on Twitter. Not like just- everybody flat, like literally every single person was flagging it. Like, Hey, pollsters, have you seen these polls that have come in different numbers? And I was like, Oh, thank goodness we are recording Thursday and all of this will have just like calmed down just a hair. You know, people were literally going bananas. Yes. Yeah, so the, the final three polls, uh, were Fox News, Emerson and Monmouth. Congratulations to Monmouth for getting it. Right. They said that it was tie race. Jones by 1.5. That's a pretty gosh darn tie race. Uh, so good job. Kudos to our friends at the Monmouth poll. Uh, Fox News thought it was going to be Jones by 10. And I got a handful of texts from my Democratic, non-DC Democratic friends, like friends of mine from college and stuff who, who lean way left, who were like, is this a Fox News conspiracy to suppress... To, like, 
to suppress Democratic vote and drive up Republican vote by sending everyone into a panic. And I said, I I think you're looking for too much of a conspiracy here. Because if... How many people, like, standing in line are going to say, eh... Forget it. There are way bigger problems. I Did think, you see the Fox News poll and the latest RCP oh. average? No offense to all of our fine friends at those places, but that's well, no, just I mean, not- my, my defense of them was that, look, you can criticize Hannity and the way the topics that are covered and the personalities and whatever. But my impression has always been that Fox News's polling outfit is very much on like the up and up, the straight and narrow. Well, it's a bipartisan team of people who field it and interpret it. So that I think also adds to the. So I was trying to wave a bunch of people off of the conspiracy notion and then would also point out that, look, this is just a hard race to poll. And thus Emerson coming in with more plus nine, that was pretty far away from things were as well. This was a very hard race to get right. Yeah. I was quoted in a story and they're like, all of our various pollster friends were also quoted in the story. Everybody basically coming up with their own colorful way to say, who knows <laughs> what <laughs> turn on it's going to be. Mine was not, whatever ended up in the story with me, for me was not as colorful as like, I think Pat Patrick Murray wrote like, this is like throwing darts, you know, and... <laughs> <laughs> so this this became a, a a a GIF series on Twitter where someone said like my my likely voter model is and it was a GIF of someone oh. throwing a dart and so then I said well mine is and it's if you've ever seen it's always sunny in Philadelphia it's the uh, I think it's the Charlie McDennis game of games episode where at one point Dennis has his hand up on a dartboard and they're throwing darts around his hand and he's not allowed to flinch. And one goes right through the middle of his hand, and he just doesn't move and pulls it out, and blood comes down. So I used that gif to describe this. That's my attempt. That's good. Were people doing like memes about the like the needle? Like the needle is telling me there's like a thirty percent chance of you know that I'm gonna like you know pass out or whatever. We have to talk. So the needle. Uh, for those who are uninf- uh, who, d- who don't know, is the upshot, uh, Nate Cohen and company automated model driven, um, dial that predicts the percent chance that someone has of winning the race at any given point in time. So it's kind of like if you watched the Super Bowl a few years ago and the little thing said, Oh, at this point, the Falcons have an 85% chance of winning. And then they went on and lost. Right. Uh, it's kind of like that. Uh, this one, it was sort of wildly fluctuating at one point in the night. Like I looked at it and there was not that much in and it said, Jones has a 90% chance of winning. And I was texting it around like, go home upshot. You're drunk. <laughs> like, <laughs> he may well win, but there's like 5% of the vote in right now. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, it's just, right, and then everybody's sort of saying like, this is, you know, this is not, why don't you just use this hour, this is not productive time, use this hour to go do something else and then come back when a little bit more like, boo, and then, and then someone else tweeted like, oh, is it, shut up about early exits o'clock already again? (laughs) That was like another one of my favorites. It's always shut up about early exits (laughs) o'clock. That's why I was like, oh, I mean, Kristen, like, this dude should get into a fight with Kristen. (laughs) Bring the pain. (laughs) When will you people learn? Because didn't the early exits this time be like, oh, it's going to be a bad night for bad night for Doug Jones. Roy Moore's probably got this. I all the and I was trying but to say there was an early Twitter. part that showed like 30 to 35% of the vo- uh, voters were African American. That was came out early and then So I, I just remembered early in the night I was not looking at Twitter cuz I was 
trying to avoid Star Wars spoilers, and I really should have just started that moratorium like a day later. It's a very hard time to be off Twitter. But so I was getting like secondhand Twitter, like folks from Echelon were slacking me things and people were texting me things. And the impression I got was that whoever had their hands on the early exits were like, ooh, this is probably going to be more. And I'm like, don't text me this stuff. I don't want to know. It's not right. It's sillyhood. Stop. Yeah. Well, so you know, we can't help it, right? This is part of the this is part of the game and the excitement and the thrill and, you know, the thought of sort of like I'm going to just use this time to like exercise and then come back when there's an answer. It's just hard to really it's hard to really do. It's hard to really turn it away. But it, I think there are, you know, a couple, I mean, so there are lessons of like what do we learn about polling from this? What do we learn about the race and what it means for 2018 from this? Um not just our own sort of psychology of election night, which is also entertaining, but you know, the the um I mean, one theory going into this was there were a lot of IVR polls. Um, they were, you know, they're inexpensive. Using live callers is expensive. So there was a lot of IVR calling. Some of the IVR polling was IVR with um, online. So using online polling for folks who could be reached on their cell phones, but using IVR for the landline piece. So you're not doing your entire survey with people on their landline, which really doesn't make sense no matter where you are given how uh, dominant cell phones are, particularly in minority communities, which obviously plays a role here. Um, but it looks like one of the more recent polls was IVR and online, but it was still a poll that ended up being quite off for more. Um, and then the poll that was correct with Monmouth, they used, I guess it's not clear here, but they used live callers, uh, the Monmouth poll did. So, I mean, I think it, I mean, it looks to me like this is a vindication of using live callers over IVR, but it also could just be turnout modeling. I mean, that's the other thing that we don't really know because the, you know, the upshot in their calculation said that their predictions were swinging a lot in part because turnout was so low in the Republican areas. So, that played a role. And how do you measure turnout? That was really where the unpredictability came from. Not so much from people's like not wanting to talk to tell an interviewer how they felt. It was really more about um, not knowing how to pull such a special election, like a special special that was really competitive for the first time, getting Democrats excited, a crazy amount of controversy and national attention and money. And also just an odd election to begin with. Well, one of the things that SurveyMonkey did that I thought was neat was that rather than producing like a single, we think that it's going to be Jones by two or whatever, they released 10 different waiting scenarios, if you will. Um, they released or two different sets of weights and then like five different cross tabs within that. So all registered voters, people who say they're certain or probably going to vote, people who say they are certain to vote, um, data that's weighted just by like your self-report of whether or not you did vote, uh, whether you voted in 2014. Uh, and then they did a mix of demographic weights and standard plus like 2016 electorate vote weights, it looks mm -hmm. like. And here they had outcomes ranging from more by 10 
to Jones by eight. So even within one individual poll, like it's kind of like the margie margin That's right. going on here where the margie margin was extremely large in this situation. Right, right. And so Monmouth, I'm looking, following the Monmouth link. So they also released some different weights with different types of turnout. And so 2017 base turnout showed them even. Higher turnout showed a three-point advantage for Jones. Lower historical turnout showed a four-point advantage for Moore. That makes a lot of sense, you know, with what we saw. I mean, you had much higher turnout, particularly in African American communities in that. Um, and that was what propelled Jones to victory. It just goes to show when people are engaged by the race or if they think it's competitive also that their vote actually matters, more people are going to vote. And, you know, again, I mean, this is, you know, we don't get too far afield, but there are a lot of reports about how the resources invested into voting locations in African-American communities weren't there. So you had a lot longer lines in those ballot polling places than you did in some other places. But people persevered, leading to a Jones victory, which was a really, really exciting for Democrats, obviously, around the country. Um, and I think points to something we saw in Virginia and something that we're going to see, you know, in a lot of races, which is – People of color really make, you know, setting the agenda and mm-hmm. picking who represents, you know, represents voters. Um, you know, white voters, even white college educated women who were, you know, more likely to vote for Jones than some other groups still ultimately voted more likely to vote for more than for Jones. Um, so this is, a, you know, this is very similar to patterns, you know, in other parts of the country. So, um, but that I think is one of the lessons going forward. So two of the counties that I was following a lot were uh, Lee County, which is where Auburn University is, and Tuscaloosa County, which is where University of Alabama is. These are my two SEC brethren schools because uh, noted political genius Steve Bannon waltzed himself into Alabama on Monday night and insulted. I love that. That was who insulted the University of Alabama. So foolish. Uh, I got into Georgetown and Harvard. Why would you talk about it anyway? You idiot. And so here's here's what happened, Margie. Tuscaloosa County, a place that went twenty points for Trump a year ago. Jones by 16. Yeah. Lee County, Auburn. Even if you think like, oh, well, he's insulting Bama, but so then their rival school, Auburn, will eat it up, right? No, no, no. Lee County, plus 23 for Trump, plus 17 for Jones. Okay, so it's- You fool. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) It was so, I mean, it's such an out-of-touch dumb thing anyway to like talk. I mean, even if you weren't, even if so the context is he was making fun of Joe Scarborough and talking about how he went to great schools. Steve Bannon did and, and Joe couldn't get into those schools when it turns out Joe actually went to Alabama. Um, and first of all. And UF Law. First he of doesn't, all. He doesn't identify as a Gator, but. Whatever. First of all, that is not a voter message. I'm sorry. Like, we're even, no matter what the particulars are, like. What? Like, like, I don't think that made it to the exit polls. I just don't think, like, the the colleges Uh, that campaign surrogates and commentators went to is, like, what gets people out of bed and go to the polling booth. That's just, that's just my, you know, hey, what do I know? I've just been doing this for 20 years. That's just my sense. Um, Never, ever heard it come up in a focus group ever. Um, So, anyway, that said. But let's put that aside. Uh, so we, I, I but we, have, let's talk about your op-ed in the New York Times. And that was the first time Kristen had an op-ed in the New York Times, which is pretty badass. I did. I don't think it's in print. I don't think it actually, like, I don't know that it is in any dead tree versions mm. of the paper. 
because it went up at like 11 a.m. online, which I was like, I mean, I'd filed it the night before and everything, but we'd been noodling with it. See, this is the other thing that made it hard about not being on Twitter. Was I was like, I have to know what's going on so I can update this column. <laughs> I have like five different leads written based on how this goes. I need to know like which lead to append That's to the right. front of this piece. That's right. Uh, but yeah, so I wrote a piece about uh, what we talked about on this show a few weeks ago, the uh, young Republican demigloss. <laughs> That's right. I was looking. I was like, where is the Republican reduction? It was not in there. No, I was like, oh, I know. I saw it. I was like, his demigloss was not in there. (laughs) No. But uh, but the big, 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 big thanks to John De La Volpe at the Harvard Institute of Politics. He ran some cool numbers for me about what the issues were that really separated out young Republicans who like Trump from young Republicans who don't like Trump. The ones who like me, are, you know, the flight risk, like, ah, this is all frustrating to me types. Um, The big issues that separate us are climate change and immigration. But those of us who are not fans of the president, those are the two issues where we're like the most likely to disagree with the other young people in the party. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, millennials in Alabama, surprise, surprise, did not break for Roy Moore. They broke for Doug Jones. And I, I I was explaining this to Chris on Tuesday night. It's, this is the sort of thing where had I been on Twitter, it might have been a, a poorly thought through tweet storm. But instead, I'm I'm just going to turn it into like a very brief explainer here on the podcast of like the way I felt on Tuesday night as the photo negative of how I felt the night Eric Cantor lost his primary. Mm. So, uh, look, Eric Cantor's fine. It, it, it's not like, I you know. I don't feel about Eric Cantor the way I, like, feel about the almighty Jeb exclamation point. Like, I'm not, you know, fangirling. He's fine. Right. But when he lost his primary, I remember feeling like it's the f- it was, like, the first scene in a horror movie when, like, this serial killer gets its first victim, right? And, like, no one knows who the serial killer is. It's like, you know, Drew Barrymore in Scream, like, talking on the phone, do you like scary movies? Right. And all of a sudden, like, boom, she's dead. Uh, that like Cantor out of nowhere, like the the bright Barty serial yes. killer got him, um, <laughs> and so then everybody in the Republican Party spends the next few years afraid of the serial killer, right? Like afraid, like am I going to be the next one? Like right. I got to sleep with the lights on because, you know, and this particular serial killer got everybody else in the Republican primary, you know, and it's not the base, by the way. I I want to be clear, it is. Is the serial killer now president of the United States? Am I giving away the ending? <laughs> no. <laughs> No, but so so what I, I that's I, how that's where that's how we would rewrite this movie. Go to the like a liberal Hollywood exec to be like, yeah, but where <laughs> what point does the president become the serial killer? What I mean is that everybody's just been behaving afraid of like, oh, I don't yeah. want to go out at night because I'm gonna get got. I gotta sleep with the lights on. I gotta put right. eight locks on my door, um, or else I'm gonna get got. And last night, or not last night, this week on Tuesday night, it felt like. The scene halfway through the movie when someone, like, fights off the killer for the first time and, like, gets a stab in and the killer, like, slinks away, leaving a trail of blood. Like, (laughs) if it bleeds, we can kill it. Like, (laughs) this, like, this, like, insanity that has felt like it has gripped the party. Like, Mm. this was, this was the base. Our base. Yeah. Speaking by sitting home. Yeah. And that is powerful, I think. So... I don't think that the fever is going to break anytime soon. That's what I say in my column. Like the expectation, oh, we'll just get over this soon. Like don't hold your breath. But this was very important for reassuring other Republicans that 
maybe maybe this this serial killer is not invincible. Right. It has weaknesses. You can defeat it. Right. That's that's a good silver lining that the base yeah. so basically Eric Cantor voted with their Barrymore. feet. Even without a whole lot of guidance, cover, direction, leadership from, you know, top brass. Yeah. They, they knew enough on their own to say, eh, this is maybe not, not this. This is not the guy. Not this one. You know, and it, one thing that was interesting, by the way, I, this is just as an aside, but it, it's just something, you know, thinking about the polling and how people were talking about the polling. And there was lots of talk about like, are there shy Trump, you know, shy Moore voters, which would just get me crazy. I'm like, there weren't really shy Trump voters who didn't want to talk, you know, they didn't want to talk about their Trump vote. And people were assuming it was the same for more as the same kind of attitude. Um, you did, I did hear an interview with somebody where they were a shy Jones voter. So they're like, I can't really tell a reporter that I'm voting for Jones because I still live in a very Republican area and I don't want to be out as voting for the Democrat. But then she came forward and said, he just seems like a decent guy and so on. But I thought, well, maybe there was actually a little bit of both. If mm-hmm. to the extent there is any shyness, it could have actually been a little bit of both. Sure. But anyway, that's an aside. Well, the article is great and folks should take a look at it. Oh, it's in the New York Times. We'll link to it online, whether it's in the print or not. It doesn't matter because this is a podcast and Nobody people read it on their phone. and physical version anyways. Come on. Oh, we we <laughs> still get it, even though I prefer to read it online. I know. We get the, we get the physical watch. Yes. I know. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, we still do. Yes. We, that's a constant source of environmental tension in our household and it's clutter. Recyclable. Yeah, I know. I know. It's I'm just, pretty sure that you've come over to do the podcast and have like brought the paper in at time. Like there have been a couple oh, yeah. of times when you've shown up here and been like, Kristen, it's it's Thursday. <laughs> you have Sunday's paper at the porch. I'm like, oh, we didn't go out the front door that day. It's just day. much I better forgot. to read on the fo- on the phone and online. Yeah. Are you good with people? Maybe you're organized or have a knack for numbers. Well, then chances are you've got skills that could lead to a new career. A Google Career Certificate can help you get a foot in the door with top employers in fast-growing fields like IT support, project management, data analytics, and user experience design. It's professional-level training developed and taught by Google employees. And it's all online, so you can learn around your schedule. Put your skills to work. Go to grow.google slash certificates. Um, okay. Uh, so, so Mr. 37%. Yeah, Trump's not – it's not a great week for him. Uh, friend of the show, Tony Fabrizio, did you see the thing that he tweeted? No. On, oh, I got to pull this up. I should have put it in show notes. Uh yeah, so Tony tweets that like Trump needs to get new political advisors because like this is a disaster. Do you know who's in Yolo like, mode right now? these days? Tony Fabrizio. Tony Fabrizio is in Yolo mode and he's just like quietly, subtly going YOLO. <laughs> like when I was on that panel with him and Mark Penn, I'm like, I'm in YOLO mode. I'm talking about focus groups, you know. And he is like, I think, you know, we probably would have lost if Bernie was the candidate, which is like a heck of a thing that for a statement. <laughs> for the Trump's own pollster to say. And it made some news. I mean, I didn't really see it bounce around that much. And I was, you know, I was I like, well, I'm like, that's kind of YOLO. And a friend of mine tweeted out, and then it was in the Hill. And, you know, I, it, there's just too much. The world is on fire, so it doesn't quite, like, make it to – you know, national news. But there was a time when that would have been like on MSNBC for like 24 hours. Mm -hmm. So is Trump's number – so we've talked for a long time about how uh, his numbers just wobble, but they never really move outside of this like 38 to 39% band. 
this this feels this feels real. This is a drop. This yeah, this feels worth noting. Um, I believe this is the record low, but I'm I can't say for certain what I think is causing it. Is it that? Uh, the tax reform bill is unpopular? Is it that the tax reform bill seems stalled? Is it that he got behind this guy that dates teenagers? I mean, I, I, I am uncertain. What What is the thing? The because slurring. There, ha- there hasn't been a thing that has pulled his numbers down really thus far. So, like, what's the thing? Omarosa? Yeah. Is Omarosa responsible? I- no, probably not. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, can we so – what? Do we have a fave on fave of Omarosa? There's got to be somebody. Poster friends listening. Somebody's got to be doing that. Somebody. Omarosa fave on fave. Yes. I, uh, I think someone will have that for sure. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's a – you know, that's a bit of a – that's a – you know, look. The Could numbers- it also be, by the way, like the Flynn – so when did that Flynn stuff come out? Like two less than two weeks ago, right, about him mm-hmm. making – it would have shown up last week, right? If this was like people going, Ugh, I'm, 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 it doesn't seem like there's a lot of winning going on. It seems like there's a lot of plea deals going on. That would have shown up last week. Yeah, I, right? I think so. Okay. So maybe it's not this. Right. Unless, unless potentially voters do not move at lightning speed <laughs> response to news. Could well, that, it be? That's what I mean. That like if it's, yeah, that would this have Could taken like a week or so to really sink in and change attitudes? I don't know. Well, whatever it is, it's it's not so, it's definitely not so great. Um, uh, Quinnipiac asked some questions about uh, the Russia investigation um, and the Mueller investigation. Do you think that the Russian government tried to influence the 16 presidential election? And then if yes, do you think they were successful? And I think that's smart to split up that question because, you know, you could think that they tried, but it didn't have an outcome. You could feel that way, whether you're a Democrat or a Republican, and they are not the same. And you could also think it does not matter if they were successful or not. It doesn't matter if they were the reason the outcome was the outcome. It's still a problem, right? You could also think that whether you're a Democrat or a Republican. So they found 41% 41% of plurality said they tried and it changed the outcome. 28% said they tried and it didn't change the outcome. And a fifth, just a fifth basically said they didn't try. That's not very much. But I mean, that's almost half of Republicans. Like Republicans are so on another planet with regard to this issue compared to – like Democrats and independents aren't identical, but they look a lot more similar to one another than where Republicans are. Republicans just think th- – the fact that a plurality think Russia did not try to interfere in the elections. Right. It's like, uh, okay. I'm not asking you to say Trump is guilty. I'm not asking you to say that voting machines were hacked. I'm just trying to say, do you think that Putin tried to noodle around? Right, right. You're, I mean, if, right, you, if there's did. like whether or not Trump knew himself that it was happening is like yet another question, right? There are all these different questions and you don't have to say yes to all of them for one of them to be true. And so, it's good to split, to place it out like this. Yet I think a lot of the information, if you just want to be in a pro Trump zone, you are getting a completely different set of facts. And you know, have about half of Republicans who say that Mueller is not conducting a fair investigation. I mean, that's quite a bit different from what Democrats think, where 80% think that he's, you know, almost everybody think he, it is fair and 60% of independents think it's fair. 
Um, Republicans think it's not fair. Um, so, you know, obviously I expect a party difference. And do you think the president did something illegal or wrong? Um, for sure there's something different there. Um, but these numbers really do show how tricky it's going to be to continue to have this conversation because guess what? It's not going away. Yeah. So well, and this, uh, Republicans going to start thinking it's more fair as time wears on or less fair? Well, the other thing that I thought was interesting in the Quinnipiac numbers is they ask two different versions of this question about, like, do you think Trump tr- tried to collude with Russia? They ask one question where they say, do you believe that President Trump colluded with the Russian government? And they have a second question. Do you believe that the Trump campaign colluded with the Russian government? And here, so Democrats on both questions are like, yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. That, that, right. Didn't you just ask me? Yes. That, that's that, yes. yes. Uh, and Republicans on both questions are pretty much like, no, what are you talking about? But independents, it like seems like they move. It goes from being even to being plus 21. Yes. So they're fairly evenly split on whether Trump himself, but when you're just saying the Trump campaign, and it could be, was Jared Kushner going kind of rogue because his father-in-law doesn't understand any of this technology and data stuff. And so Jared himself went off and, you know, and Cambridge Analytica and blah, blah, blah. So independents seems like they are able to split that apart, whereas partisans are like either know everybody's innocent or everybody's guilty. Yeah. And then they had an impeachment question and people are divided. I mean, that's just independent's going to independent on this one. Half of independents feel that Trump should be impeached. Not, not the if, solid if, half. If he fires special counsel Robert oh, Mueller. Oh, okay. If he fires Mueller. So it's presenting the right, hypothetical. Let's put the, let's put the glasses back on. <laughs> Did you think, ha- well, I was like, I mean, what I don't the know. Heck? Okay. All right. <laughs> Much better. Still, it's pretty freaking high. Yes, sir. I mean, those are those are not great numbers. But you know how Trump can av- avoid that? Don't impede. Don't fire Robert Mueller. <gasps> tweets, crazy tweets. <laughs> well, also stop diet coke, crazy tweets. <laughs> Step one: What if that's going to be my revised presentation? Here, I have a five-step plan: crazy tweets, <laughs> diet coke, golf, <laughs> and meatloaf. Every day. Every day you get five you you get five points and you can spend a point on either a tweet, an hour of TV, or a diet coke. And you get five points a day. So you get to pick is it is today gonna be a five diet coke day? Then you don't get to watch any Fox and you have to give me your phone. This is this is like how I give my kids two treat tickets a day. I swear to you. That they can if use. If Sean Kelly does this, it would be perfect. They can use. Do you? Are you sure you want to use both of them for a dessert right after breakfast before 9 o'clock? Because then you won't have any tickets for the whole rest of the day. You use all your points on Fox and Friends. You won't get to watch Hannity. <laughs> it's like that New Yorker good. cartoon. Like you can have... One marshmallow now. I was like, you can have two marshmallows now. Or if you wait, you can have, th- you know, a- an extra marshmallow and you can be president of the United States if you wait 15 minutes. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like that. Okay. And then Politico, Martin Consult, they asked some questions um, on Ooh, sexual. This reminds me of my other theory of why his numbers dropped, the sexual harassment oh, yes. stuff. My other theory is that with all of these stories back in the news, we are seeing like an echo of Access Hollywood. Right. People are like, oh, right. This is bad. Maybe. Right. In part because so I was on uh, TV this morning and I think it was 
Quinnipiac? Oh gosh, if it's Monmouth, they're they're gonna be so so mad. Somebody put out a generic ballot that had Republicans down fifteen. I gotta figure this out. I want to get it right. I don't in the heads head or in the or house house generic house ballot. generic. House Whoa. Generic. Yes, it was it was grim. And then it had like Trump's job approval at thirty two percent. And when they split out the cross tabs, it was like his biggest drops had been among Republican and independent women. And that's when I was like. I was on air. And I'm like, sure it's fine. Why do you think this happened? And no I'm like, biggie. Mm, maybe it's because people remember the, the 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 tape, the Billy Bush tape. Yeah, I don't know. I'm just yeah. guessing. Yeah. So, well, if half of Americans feel sexual misconduct um, allegations against Trump are credible, 29% say not credible. There's and no gender gap on this question. There's no gender gap. Is there a gender gap by party? So no difference among Democratic men versus women. But a little bit, but not massive difference between Republican men and women where Republican women are, you know, five points more likely to say they're credible compared to Republican men. So Republican men, a slight plurality say these allegations against Trump are not credible, but Republican women, a slight plurality say they are credible. So it's not like a massive difference, but it's I'm something. I'm fascinated because normally on something where there's any kind of a partisan divide, you also will see a gender gap. And yet it's like Republican women feeling more strongly that, yes, Trump is, this is credible, paired with like, it looks like Democratic men. Slightly more likely to, th- well, but not really. It's just that they have a lower don't know. Yeah. I am perplexed. I will confess. I'm perplexed right now. But it does not, there does not appear to really be a gender divide on this question. Well, maybe it's something about the question, you know, maybe it's just asking people to kind of go back in time. It's not clear. Totally. You know, as you may know, the following individuals have been accused of sexual misconduct by at least one person. Generally, do you find sexual misconduct allegations against each of the following to be credible or not credible? So it's like generally speak. Maybe it's not like, hey, remember those? Did you feel, do you feel that those allegations were credible? Maybe it's a little bit too ambiguous about what allegations we're talking about. Maybe. Uh, maybe. And it, our theory from a few weeks ago that people hear political names and they just go to partisan camps, you kind of see that in the state of it, maybe not as much as I thought I would expect. Well, let's talk about this harassment Speaking stuff for a little bit because you have a lady Obstacles, poll. yes. So I worked on a bipartisan poll for the group Business Forward with my friend and your friend and who has been on the show, mm-hmm. Christine Matthews, Republican pollster, who actually was quoted in A1 of the Times Yesterday, I think it was yesterday, and it was maybe she has a hard copy. Can you ask her to flip them now. Can you go to page thirty-one? No, we we had the hard copy because I was emailing her, and my husband said, "Hey, have you heard of Christine Matthews, Republican pollster, quoted in the story on any one of the times?" I'm like, "Yes, I've heard of her. I'm emailing her right now about our lady poll." So anyway, that's. That was good thing that we had the paper so we could have that incredible moment, <laughs> the four of us. <laughs> um, but anyway, the lady poll that we did, it's not really called that, but it's a poll of American women. We did an uh, oversample of Latinas, African-American women, and also executive women. And we tested, a, we explored a whole bunch of different things, like the goals that women have for themselves in their life, where we saw job fulfillment and financial security really high up. It's for a variety of different women on par with things like, Finding happiness 
with a partner is also job fulfillment and financial security. And then we asked about a variety of obstacles and found that there are a lot of workplace obstacles standing in the way, things that you would expect, like um, unequal pay, inflexible work hours, the pressures of caregiving, not just for children, but you know, everyone else in your life and, uh, and not being treated with respect. Um, all of these things were different kinds of obstacles that women face. And, um, uh, people really felt that it's been challenging to reach and achieve the professional goals that they've had for themselves. Um, and it, looking at that or in that, through that lens, uh, women said, uh, a huge majority of women said that being able to determine when and whether to become a parent really is, has a role in uh, whether or not you're able to attain the goals that you've set for yourself. Then we also tested a series of proposals a variety of different proposals asking women whether they supported them. And probably not a surprise, a lot of these were incredibly popular. Also with Republicans, this is a lot of bipartisan support for a lot of this stuff. Like, again, gender pay equity, making it easier for women to safely report sexual harassment in the workplace. Lo and behold, very popular across party lines. Uh, maintain affordable health care coverage options for people who need it, regardless of pre-existing conditions, right? That's like the Obamacare uh, type of question. Make college more affordable, require paid and family medical leave, a variety. Uh, however, you know, the variety of lists here, the variety of proposals we tested have widespread uh, bipartisan support. Finding companies that don't have strong policies against sexual harassment, requiring insurance plans to cover, include coverage for birth control. That you have a majority of Republican women support. So check it out. It's super cool. There's lots of interesting stuff there. It's uh, equality doesn't need to be a partisan issue. There are lots of different obstacles that women face that there are remedies we can take that women support. So as you're thinking, candidates wondering how you're going to address the awesome woman power out there, the cycle. Here are some things you can look to. Fantastic. And seriously, woman power is going, I mean, if that is causing these elections to break the way they are breaking. Yeah. If feminism was the word of the year, but Miriam Webster, the cover of the time, time woman of the year, mm -hmm. voters who are making an impact in a lot of these races. The candidates running for office that time thing i th this is a complete digression and side note is kesha yes so is kesha in the time issue <sighs> she should be because she was like the one of the first ones to come out with the allegations against dr luke yes. and that whole story and i feel like that's kind of been swept aside and like she wasn't the only one that alleged that dr luke was a creep and a jerk like i think kelly clarkson did too i was thinking about it yesterday cuz all the russell simmons stuff yes. came out that like the she's music she's become a cause celeb on the left i've seen some people who i mean she was in a, i think profiled in the times magazine but maybe elsewhere she also plays at a lot of like women's like galas and organizations because of the story so i've seen her, kesha perform like you know, I'd never seen Kesha before, before, and now I've seen Kesha perform like three times because she plays at a lot oh, of these things because jealous. it's part of, and she does a really good job. Like she's, you know, she's lovely. So her new album, she does the song, like uh, this Dolly Parton song. I mean, it is. Which Dolly Parton fabulous. song? Fabulous. Uh, is it Jolene? It's not no, Jolene. hang on. I have this. I, I know the answer to this question. That is good. Stand by. Stand by. I love me some Dolly Parton. Uh, Old Flames. Hmm. I have a candle to you. 
with Do- and like Dolly Parton's on the song. All right, I gotta check that out because I I really love I love I mean I don't I'm not as familiar with her whole catalog as I should you, be. You're not in depth in the but Kesha I do <laughs> but I, no but I do love Dolly like I think she's just such a like I just love her spirit. I love everything she does for everybody. She's I'm sorry I took us down the, the cash. No, room. no, I could really talk a lot about. It. There's a Dolly Parton documentary once where they followed three different people who, like, were obsessed with Dolly Parton and like everything Dolly Parton had done. Like, she knew all the people who were obsessed with her and like would come bring people like coffee if they were like waiting outside her house or like she was never like she was always like or at least if there was a film crew she was totally like cool with the fans who were obsessed with her and every story was just like so beautiful uh, uh, people should go watch it it was so good anyway moving on to christmas there's a lot of christmas polling out there a lot of christmas polling um in fact today i was at, sitting down with a, a panel about something having nothing to do with christmas but with somebody from the pew research center and i was like oh margie and i are putting together a script for the show we got a bunch of polling about stuff like, do people say Merry Christmas anymore? And the one guy, Bruce, he's like, oh, yeah, that's our poll. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, fantastic. Good. Great. Um, that's yes. good. So the Pew Research Center, this poll was conducted right after Thanksgiving. Um, does it bother you? Or, or do you, well, first of all, do, do you believe that the religious aspects of Christmas are emphasized less, more, or hasn't changed? And if it bothers you less, does it bother you at all? So America's pretty, pretty divided. There there are a bunch of different segments here, right? Like there's about a third of America who says Christmas is being viewed less as a religious thing and that bothers them. Right. Uh, 25% say, yeah, but it doesn't bother me. Um, and then 30% says hasn't changed much. 12% say it's actually viewed more in religious uh, a religious sense than in the past. Yeah. I mean, what's interesting about these questions, and I'd be curious, like, it, it, it's not a surprise given the trends that we have seen. And we don't talk about it maybe as much as we should about how more people are not identifying with any one religion. They're calling themselves unaffiliated in some way. It's not a surprise that people are both – identifying Christmas as less of a religious holiday and are at the same time not as bothered by that trend, perhaps. So that, you know, that sounds true and believable to me. What I think, what I don't think is, maybe it's not in here. I don't think it's in here is the, like, how do people feel about the commercialism and like all the, like the shopping and buying aspect of Christmas that, you know, you don't have to wish that Christmas was more religious and not want to see you know, and just, and want to see Christmas only things somewhere, not be worried if there are no other religions represented. And you don't have to be that kind of Christmas warrior to say, you know, can we just like take a, take a foot off the gas with all the shopping and buying stuff, you know, Mm -hmm. and find some other kind of way to talk about or express Christmas or some other thing to celebrate other than just like stuff. So these questions don't go into that, but that I think would be an interesting, like, angle for this too. Yes. So this, uh, one of the things that I see is a pattern. So Pew has some data from 2017 and going back to 2013 about 
people celebrating Christmas um, and do they celebrate it as a religious or cultural holiday and all of that. And there is a slight drop in the proportion of people saying they will go to religious services on Christmas Eve or Christmas Day down to 51% from 54%. Not a huge drop. The drop of four points of people saying they plan to gather with family and friends on Christmas Eve, Christmas Day. And there had been a drop of five points among those who view Christmas as more of a religious holiday. Yeah. I always, every other year I switch between going to my in-laws and to my own parents. And when I go to my own parents, we go to the Methodist church, which is the church that I grew up in. I have become Catholic since then. But it's like my one time of every two years when I like to pop right. back into Methodist land. Right. So we've nicknamed it Shenanigans Church. There's always shenanigans. <laughs> always shenanigans that go down in Methodist land. I'm so excited. <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, it, so like the holidays can be like a little triggering for me because, you know, I'd not celebrate Christmas as a kid. And but we didn't really celebrate Hanukkah or other holidays particularly either. And like when your family gets divorced, like then you have a lot of bouncing around. And then the holidays are like really about like travel logistics and less about yeah. anything else. And so now, so this year for Thanksgiving and for Christmas, we're not going anywhere. We've had family come to us, but we're not traveling anywhere, which is really incredible. I'm super excited. My father-in-law is coming to visit, which is great. And we're not religious, but yet – there's all sorts of stuff that we do. Oh, like yeah. we make Christmas cookies. We have a tree. We're going to like, you know, go to Christmas show. Everybody in my family likes the Nutcracker. We're, you know, I took Beckett, one of Beckett's like girls in his little toddler class, invited him to go see Frosty the Snowman. So we did that, which was like oh. this like, you know, at this kid's theater show like there was like really big movements there was no plot it was just like really big movements and Beckett I thought for sure when I've taken him to the theater before would just like rush the stage and scream and with excitement <laughs> and I was like I don't know how this is gonna go like but he because <laughs> he just like wants to be part of the action whatever's happening and so he didn't do that but he was so into it how do your kids feel about Christmas lights they so we do a lot of Christmas lights so there's in Maryland yeah there's that it's We've done that. State park where you drive through. And We've done that. Cool. There are two in Maryland, actually. There's one in Prince George's County that we've done, and there is one at Brookside Garden in Wheaton, which is closer to us. And we've done that. Now, when you get out of the car and you walk around, so you have to go on a day that's like not very cold. The other one, you have to stay in the car, but it's a little bit farther, but you don't have to get out. So yes, we've done. We do all that stuff, and they are. They don't remember it, but they, they, yes, they well, do they like it. They will it. remember it eventually. Um, and, but it's definitely super fun. So, um, so, you know, so I, the Christmas polling really focuses on the like Christian religious piece of it and how people feel about that. Um, but I think it's, oh, but the mammoth poll does not. The mammoth poll talks a little bit more about like our the cultural side, the cultural side of it, like, especially like the question about, do you have a favorite animated television holiday special? That's a good one. And Rudolph is at the top. I do not see Muppets on here anywhere. <laughs> America. I guess it's not animated. What is and it, and oh, I felt like okay, okay. I felt like Sound of oh. Music and Wizard of Oz should be on here, and they're not Christmas specials, but they are kind of Christmas That's specials. True, it's not animated, and neither is You're that right. like the Christmas okay. Story, which is like or Love Actually, which I don't care if it's anti-feminist i still watch it and that's just you're just gonna have to take it you can't take it away from me but Where do you come down on the is die hard a christmas movie question 
It's that's not for like. I mean, oh. it is a Christmas movie. It's a Christmas movie. Correct. Good. You have the right answer. I I'm mean, sure. it's it's not one I want to <laughs> see again particularly, but it's a Christmas movie. Um, just like Love Actually is a Christmas movie. You know, it's a it's a Christmas a dumb Christmas movie for guys versus a dumb Christmas movie for girls. Oh, let's not be gender about it, Margie. <laughs> the as, Die Hard is as much a romantic comedy as Love Actually. Mm. Bruce Willis is going to like yeah, save his all wife. Yeah, right, you're right. I haven't, I haven't watched it. Yeah, you're probably right. I've, I've, I've watched <laughs> Die Hard like once. I've watched Love Actually like a lot more than that's one fair. time. That's so that's <laughs> an embarrassingly high number of times, let's just say. I mean, um, Die Hard is basically a Hallmark movie. If you think about it. Why does he like Hallmark made like thirty Christmas movies or some? There's some like. Oh yeah, if if that's your thing, my friend Mary Catherine and Amelia have done a whole write up of like it's like a the Hallmark movie like bingo drinking game whatever. They, they made like a whole slew of them. That's. I mean that's that's a heck of a thing to do. That's a heck of a task to undertake. But um Rudolph the Red Nose Reindeer one, Charlie Brown, and then the Grinch, then Frosty. I have to say I wa- we watched the Charlie Brown Thanksgiving and it felt first of all, it felt like we were wa- had them watch Steamboat Willie, like that's how old it seems, you know. <laughs> we were like, here, watch this old timey thing that we pulled out of the on the phonograph, you know. Like it was so, it looked so old, and it was so like, and it's a little religious for current sensibilities. Like you would not be able to get that on TV now. I think it's just because it's been on for a long time. Like I, there's there's that, and but then there's also just like this, like fussiness about it that is so not modern there's nothing modern about any of the charlie brown things and the and my uh, kids were first were like we want to watch harry potter like why why are we watching this and we're like you're gonna watch this like we've watched harry potter eight billion times you're gonna watch this and then and they relented but it was it did not hold up well i have to say the charlie brown oh that's disappointing charlie brown category i know we're gonna get angry tweets about it but (laughs) Um, I haven't revisited some of these others recently, so I will give a report. I do love how at, it's less than 1%, but at least some people said <laughs> South Park Christmas Critters. <laughs> what if is you, that? Uh, and what is Robbie the you, Reindeer? Are, so you're unfamiliar with South Park's Woodland Christmas Critters. I'm sure I'd like it. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to figure right, out how I'm to describe to watch them. It. Yeah, don't watch them with Lucy and Beckett. Okay. Or anyone around. <laughs> or anyone, okay. And and you should just delete this part of the podcast that says you're going <laughs> to watch them. It's, Fair enough. It's not it. Okay. Um, <laughs> okay, good. Why so did we learn this? So that's homework for everyone. Watch one of at least one of these 20 different Christmas animated shows and get back to us. Okay. Well, key, so key findings. I guess some good news for Republicans this week is that they just have to worry about Mr. 37% Trump. As opposed to worrying about Mr. 48% more. You're just going to encourage the Steve Bannons of the world with that talk. (laughs) Steve Bannon didn't even win my Twitter poll of like, which guilty pleasure do you want to read about today? He came in third behind Roy Moore's horse and Omarosa. Omarosa's hard to beat. Yeah, Omarosa's hard to beat. Um, To be making jokes about Mueller and Santa or Moore's lawyers and Hanukkah. That was another funny tweet from this week. Those are basically the most 2017 things possible. (laughs) Meanwhile, your weekly reminder, it's not just about sexual harassment. Women face a whole variety of workplace obstacles. And get ready for the holidays in our house. 
We celebrate with cheese and cookies. Not at the same time, though. You can find us on Twitter at, at Margie O'Mero and at K. Soltis Anderson. Or together, we are at The Pollsters. Though remember, Instagram, significantly more fun. So find us there. Um, you can also find us at www.thepolsters.com on Facebook and throughout uh, your favorite podcatcher, um, especially now that we are with the family. You can find us wherever fine panoply podcasts are sold. Great. Thanks. Bye.